Hello, welcome back to the Creation Care Podcast. I'm your host, C.T. Anderson. You can follow me on all social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and now YouTube, at C.T. Creation Care. You can support this podcast by following the Creation Care Podcast on patreon.com. And so today I'd like to start off by saying happy Good Friday. Uh, Today is Good Friday in the Christian religion which commemorates the uh, day that Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross. And so it's a very important day as Christians believe that Christ sacrificed his life to save our lives. And so I'll start off this podcast today with a scripture that represents that. And many of you, even those of you who are are not uh, followers of Christianity, are probably familiar with these two verses uh, as they're often used um, uh, as uh, a proxy for being a savior in sports arenas and uh, large scale events, which we are not having these days. Um, And so here we go, welcome again. John 3, 16, 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And so for those of you, even those of you who aren't Christians, but for those of you who are, this scripture is very important. And today is very important because it marks the day that Jesus Christ was sacrificed and God gave his son. And then um, in two days, we'll all celebrate Easter which is the day that he rose from the dead. And today I'd like to talk a little bit about that. I leave that because today happens to be Good Friday, but also because my guest today is going to talk about something that we can all do um, in this time of sacrifice, the small sacrifice that we are making regarding the coronavirus pandemic. And so many of us are staying home. I hope that everyone is staying home and happy and healthy and safe. And I hope that we are all uh, doing our part to flatten the curve. And so today I'd like to talk a little bit about that. Give me one second here. So today I'd like to talk a little bit about what we all can do in our own way of sacrificing. Happy Good Friday to everyone. And so What we can all do is that there's a a situation around food waste. And because so many of us are home cooking and uh, hashtag Corona baking and hashtag Corona cooking are trending on Twitter and uh, on all social media outlets. And so I wanted to take time to make sure that we thought about a way that we can stop the food waste that we are sure to produce as a result of this increased cooking. Um, Why is that an issue, you say? Well, according to reports, one third of all food that is produced for human consumption is wasted. And that number annually represents about 1.3 billion tons, which is a lot of food. And uh, so if you're here in the US like me, Americans waste about 40% of the food that is produced. And those in Europe, I think the number is around 88 million tons. 
I'm not sure exactly what percentage that is. And our sisters and brothers in Asia, both in mainland Southeast Asia and India, account for about 50% of that number. So 50% of food that's wasted globally is uh, produced, is, is done in, in, in those countries, in that region of the world. And for our brothers and sisters in less industrialized developing countries, often in Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa, uh, their food waste numbers are related to poor infrastructure and storage. And I think that number, based on the research that I've done, leads to about $4 billion a year in annual um, food wasted. And so for those of us in developed countries, we actually waste as much food as is produced in Sub-Saharan Africa. And one of the numbers that I found said that rich industrialized countries waste almost as much food, which is 222 million tons, as is the entire net food production in Sub-Saharan Africa. And the entire net food production in Sub-Saharan Africa is 230 million tons. So as you can see that this is timely, this is important, this is relevant, this is an issue that we can all um, participate in, in terms of having a positive environmental and social impact to uh, get rid of this issue across the world. For those of you who follow the podcast, you're familiar with the concept of the UN Sustainable Development Goals, and uh, I kind of use those as a framework when I am researching topics and people to, to talk with. And so today, today's topic falls under UN SDG number 12, which is to ensure sustainable consumption and production patterns. And so as it relates to food waste, we can all um, ensure that we have sustainable consumption. And that is actually one of the things that we are continuing to consume, even with everyone staying home. And so we'll talk about a couple of ways that people can um, have sustainable food consumption patterns. One of those ways is composting, and my guests will talk about composting. Another way is to purchase um, food that would normally not be sold by the farmers. There are several different organizations that do that. They call it the ugly fruit or the ugly vegetables, those that aren't as um, cosmetically appealing, so they don't go to the grocery stores. And so I am a member of a group here in the U.S. called Hungry Harvest. And there are other organizations around the world that do the same thing. I'll include that in the show notes. There's one group called Last Minute Markets. I believe they're in Italy and um, other places in Europe. And then there's another one called Culinary Misfits. Again, I'll include that in the show notes. And I'll also include a couple of ways that for those of you who are DIYers and interested, how you can compost at home I have uh, taken a very easy route, and you'll hear about that discussion with my guest today, but there are other ways that we can all participate. Um, I also wanna share that the reason we're focusing on compost is one, it's easy to do or easy enough. And then the other way, the other reason is because it actually helps to create jobs. And in today's time, job creation, sustaining jobs is very important. And so I found a few numbers that share that composting one ton of waste sustains four times as many jobs as if it would be if we threw that same waste into landfill. 
So composting your food waste actually helps save jobs and create jobs. And so those are all good reasons that we chose to focus on this topic today. Again, I'm your host, C.T. Anderson of the Creation Care Podcast. And today we're going to talk about how we can compost to have a sustainable food consumption pattern and stop food waste. Thanks so much for joining. All right. Hello. Welcome back to the Creation Care Podcast. I'm your host, C.T. Anderson. And today I have a very special guest. I'm super excited to bring on uh, my friend David Valder of Crown Town Compost. I've known David for, uh, since he graduated college, which is pretty cool. And so uh, he can give you more information um, about Crown Town, but uh, we're ready to get started again. My name is C.T. Anderson. You can find me, pardon me, I have a ginger mint in my mouth. <laughs> Everything they tell you not to do on podcast. Um, I'm your host of the Creation Care Podcast, and you can find me on social media at C.T. Creation Care. Today, we're welcoming our guest, David Valder. David, take it away. Hey, thanks for having me. So uh, like you said, I'm David Valder. I'm one of the owners and founders of Crown Town Compost. Um, also, I am um, the Director of Energy and Sustainability at Central Piedmont Community College. So I'm fortunate enough to um, have a lot of uh, interaction between my different jobs and they work together and I get to use my passion uh, across the board. Um, so Crown Town Compost really quickly is a food waste collection business. Um, it's kind of the simplest way to put it. We collect food waste and we divert it. So I guess the more important piece is the diversion. Um, and we, we do that through composting. We're also um, experimenting a little bit with a new business that we're partnering with that is an uh, anaerobic digester okay. that produces energy with the food waste through okay. digestion. Um, yeah, we serve, we have about 450 houses in Charlotte and um, about 25 restaurants uh, when they're open. So right now, not, not as many restaurants. Cool. Um, I'm a client of Crown Town. Um, I remember when you first started talking to me about worm composting and you were like, yeah, anybody can do a CT. And I'm like, yo, dude, that sounds way too, mm -mm. but when you came up with this service, delivery service, and you're like, yeah, it's, you know, 20 bucks a month and we'll come pick it up. I was like, ding, ding, ding. Um, so before we get into the details of Crown Town, can you share with us um, kind of like the food waste problem that exists today? Do you have some numbers or, you know, some statistics? I'm sure you do on what, what goes on in the average American household with food waste. Of course, yeah, so kind of, um start at the household level and work our way up to the Mecklenburg County level, which is kind of a, you know example for any uh, large uh, municipal area in the country. Um, so on the household level, uh, there's a really good website that will have the numbers better than I do, uh, savethefood.org. Um, it's uh, got really cool graphics and, and good numbers, but um, the average family wastes something like $2,000 of food a year um, and put that into weight. Uh, just looking at our customers and how much food they put in their buckets each week, it's about 10 pounds of food waste each week. Um, so whatever that is, 520 pounds a year. Um, on the county level, so the county did a waste assessment back in 2012. Um, it's probably time for a new one, but um, still pretty relevant numbers. 
And what they found is that all uh, sources of waste in the county, so houses, um, institutions, businesses, you name it, um, produce in the, in the realm of 200,000 tons of organic waste per year. So wow. that's not just food waste, but also um, compostable paper products. So things that are not recyclable, some kind of more like paper towels and uh, paper-based products that are not recyclable. Um, so 200,000 tons, so that's a huge number, right? It's kind of hard to visualize. So uh, like, can you got, visualize? Can you put that into context? I, I, don't I got know. it for you. Got the, <laughs> <laughs> the two examples that, that we always go to um, is, so, so I thought to myself, you know, what's like the, the largest thing in Charlotte that people might recognize? And it's Bank of America's skyscraper, right? It's kind of the center of the skyline. So we, uh, I think I looked up the square footage of the building and the, the dimensions and the height. And um, imagine if you took the top off the building, dumped 200,000 tons of food waste into it, and if there were no floors or ceilings, mm -hmm. it, would, it would fill that building all the way up as, as much volume as fits in that building. Um, Hold so, on. So I know that I'm very intimate with that building. I know it very well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's the Bank of America Corporate Center at the center of Charlotte at Trade and Tryon. So yeah, for those of you who are outside of Charlotte, it's like the, the center of our city. And so everybody knows that, that building when they come here. So you're saying if we fill that building all the way up, that's how much 200,000 tons of food waste is. Correct. Correct. And so that's kind of the vertical uh, visualization. So I thought, you know, what what's that's still pretty big. It's hard to visual to imagine. Um, so if you dump that out, let's say you took the tower, dumped it out onto the Panthers field, it would be two feet deep and 20 miles long, the width of the field. Um, so so that's, that's the whole uh, Panther stadium where they play. Right. But just the field, just the field. But two um, feet. Right. Two feet deep for 20 miles. So huge, right? Yeah. You couldn't see the end of it. And that's just one year and that's just Mecklenburg County. Um, to put it into perspective, it's about, it's also about 20% of the total solid waste, including recycling. Okay. Um, so one out of every five pounds it gets thrown away is, is either food waste or something that could be composted. So for people that live outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, or people that live outside of the U.S., is that typical for big cities? Uh, it seems like it's pretty typical for cities that don't have a um, municipal composting program or a pay-as-you-throw pay uh, trash program. So I think cities, especially in the South, where trash is relatively cheap on the household level, there's just no incentive to compost or recycle, uh, no financial incentive. Right. Um, so pretty common. I would, I'm sure, and I, I should know, but I'm sure if you look at the West Coast where composting is mandated and provided uh, through your taxes, I'm sure it's much higher compost rates, lower right. amounts in the trash. And so let's just take a second here. The issue around incentive, a financial incentive for people to, I hate using the term do the right thing, mm -hmm. but it seems so simple. You don't throw away the stuff that you can reuse. However, sometimes people just don't think about that. So you guys have created a business for those people who want to quote unquote do the right thing but don't necessarily know how to do it or don't have the space to do it in their own backyard. Is that, is that really what you've done? Yeah. Yeah. We basically just want to make composting as easy as possible for anybody, whether they um, don't have a backyard because they live in an apartment or they have a backyard and they just don't have the time or don't want to mess with kind of the icky comp food waste. Yeah. Um, or, or just, you know, yeah, they're too busy. All right, cool. Well, I love you on so many levels, so we don't have to get involved in that whole history, but, 
one of the reasons that I really wanted to have you as a guest is one, I've been a member of Now Crown Town for two years and I've known you for longer than that. So it took me a while before I, I signed up. I did try to compost in my own backyard um, and the rabbits and the gophers and other animals got to it before we did. Um, so that wasn't a good idea. Um, can you talk a little bit about those people who probably they may not have an option to purchase a service like yourself. What's the best way for somebody who just wants to not throw away all the food waste that they have? What What are some tips you can share? Yeah, so I think uh, there's probably two types of spaces, right? You have fairly large backyards uh, where you can maybe take your food scraps away from your house, maybe like a back corner. And you might have like a townhome where you just have a little patio um, or even an apartment where you have a little porch. I mean, there's, mm -hmm. there's there are ways you can do it on a small scale. Uh, near your house that don't have to involve getting uh, vermin close to your house. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So let's start with the backyard. That's kind of a little more simple because uh, you, can, you can sort of do it farther from your house where, you know, if a, if a raccoon gets into it, it's not the end of the world. You don't want that. But um, right. what I would recommend is start off, uh, whatever method you use is to use three compartments. Okay. Um, and that's kind of a universal, for me at least, it's universal rule, whether you're going to do it on your porch or you're going to do it um, out in the corner of your backyard. And the reason for that is uh, the, the hardest part about compost is that it takes a long time and we are not patient people. Um, <laughs> right. So, and the less space you have, the longer it takes. Um, so the three compartment uh, method that I like is you, you fill up compartment number one mm -hmm. and that might take, it could take you a month because if you cook a lot and you have a large family or, or it might take you six months depends on the size. Um, and then when that fills up, you take that and if it's a little container, just dump it into the second com compartment. Or if you have like three pallets, you know, shovel it into the next compartment and then start refilling compartment number one again. So that one fills up again. And when, now you have one and two full, then you're gonna switch compartment number two to compartment three that's empty, compartment one to compartment two, and then start filling compartment one again. So the theory behind this is twofold. One is, every time you're kind of dumping or flipping each of those piles, you're introducing oxygen into the compost pile, okay. which is the most important piece of compost because um, the uh, bacteria and microorganisms and fungi that digest your food in the compost pile need oxygen, just like you and I. Right. Um, and then the second part of that is that by the time you've filled it up three times now, the third compartment should be pretty much composted. Um, okay. And so you're not kind of, you know, always kind of poking around the bottom of your pile, trying to see if it looks like dirt yet. You <laughs> Got know, it. it forces you to take the time to, to wait for it to break down. Um, and yeah, and if you're going to do it closer to your house or on a porch, I would just recommend using a container that has a pretty snug lid um, to keep uh, large critters out, but also to keep like fruit flies out. Quick question on that. So if you had three different compartments on like a patio or porch, would you just say get three different snug buckets or small little buckets? Or, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. In terms of space. Right. That's the hard part. Um, yeah. I think uh, on, on a patio or porch, um, yeah, it's up to you kind of how much space you have, what kind right. of aesthetics you have. If you can get creative, you know, um, going back to worm composting, a lot of people will kind of build worm bins in like uh, under a bench or under like a like a storage container or a, a coffee table or something where it's kind of out of the way right um not non-worm compost 
will probably smell a little bit worse. You probably want it, you know, not where you're hanging out and stuff, but, um, Got it. Yeah. It's called basically, even if you don't have room for two or three containers, you know, just do one. It's called cold composting when you don't do anything to it and it'll still break down over time. Um, and you know, maybe, maybe you have, if you're in a townhome, maybe you have a group of neighbors that want to do some composting and you can even find a communal area where you can build a compost bin or pile that's not so close to your home. That sounds good. And so what's the benefit once it breaks down? Why would, why would we want to use that, that material? Yeah, great question. Um, so I'll kind of give you the three benefits of compost, if that's okay. That's perfect. End, and your question is the third one. So um, first is um, we mentioned how much just the volume of food waste that goes into the landfill every year. And so the landfill is not a, it, the landfill is a finite resource. Um, there's only so much fill space. Um, so the problem with putting food waste in there is we're taking up space, meaning that the landfill will fill up sooner and we'll have to close it and move to a landfill somewhere else, which is definitely not gonna be closer to the center of any city. So you're talking about more transportation, burning more fossil fuels, um, all that kind of thing, or damaging highways with heavy trucks. Right. Um, second point is that food waste when in a landfill uh, produces methane because it's gonna break down without oxygen. That, and that's the oxygen I talked about earlier being really important for compost. Um, and so when you break down organic matter without oxygen, it releases methane, which is in the realm of 20 to 30 times more potent of a greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide, which we all, we're all pretty familiar with. So mm -hmm. methane, way worse, pound for pound. Um, the good news is that large landfills have to, uh, by a federal law, have to capture that methane um, so that it doesn't go directly to the atmosphere. And so some, so like our large landfill in Mecklenburg County or that serves Mecklenburg County does do that. Um, but smaller counties, smaller landfills, until they hit a certain size, don't have to do that. Um, and the third reason composting is important to your question is that food waste has all these awesome um, minerals and vitamins and elements like nitrogen that um, are in there that we like to eat because it keeps us alive, makes us healthy. Well, when we grow food, our food that we grow also needs to eat that stuff so that we can in turn eat it. And so food waste, when you're throwing it in the trash, you're losing all those resources that are in that instead of returning it to your soil. So the great benefit of compost is that you're taking your food waste and putting it back into the ground and kind of forming, forming that, that circular model that we all love. Circular economy, you speak in my language, but of course you already know all that. Um, one of the things I, I wanted to ask you, and I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here, um, for those people who say, if we stop having landfills or we stop, you know, we eliminate some jobs. And I know right now with what's going on with the coronavirus pandemic, job creation is very important. Can you talk a little bit about how your model and the model um, of reusing material helps create jobs? Sure. So, so it's, um, our model is, is still an economic function. So from picking up food waste, you know, we're, we're creating jobs there just like any kind of uh, refuse collection. Um, and then also in processing food waste, we're either supporting other companies who, are, who have jobs to do that work um, or we're, our own employees are doing that work. And so if, you ha if you're talking about a compost facility, um, you have to have folks to uh, turn the compost piles, uh, process the, the soil products as they finish um, and then, you know, market and sell the business as well. Um, and I, and I, I wish I knew exact numbers offhand in terms That's of okay. how many, how many jobs per ton are created in compost versus landfill. Um, but 
you know, relatively speaking, it's going to be more just because it's more hands-on process than just uh, dropping food, trash in the landfill and covering it. Right. Um, so similar to recycling, I'm not sure if it's more or less than recycling, but because it is an intensive process, it would create more jobs per ton uh, that's disposed. That's pretty exciting. And I remember there was a time where you used to actually walk around after work and pick up the compost. Um, you've now gotten to that point in your career where you don't necessarily have to do that. And so you've been able to hire others. Um, I saw recently also that your business is growing um, to some other models. Can you share all the different uh, business streams that you have currently with Crown Town? Sure, sure. So the um, kind of from uh, smallest to biggest in terms of how much waste we're talking about. Um, so we have a couple drop-off stations around the city where um, people who either live outside of our service area or who live in an apartment where we cannot come in because of access issues, um, they can come drop it off there. And so that is $15 a month. It's also our cheapest option. Um, a step up from there is we come to your front door once a week on a given day. So every Tuesday, for example, and um, same bucket, three and a half gallon bucket, and we swap it out with a clean one. Um, that's, that's mine. Yeah. My day is Thursday. There you go. <laughs> and uh, with the drop-off program, we also are swapping out buckets with a clean one as well. So that's kind of, we've, we found, um, and we feel like, you know, if, if you don't want to do composting at home, you probably also don't want to clean a, a smelly bucket. Um, so we try to uh, do that for our customers and, and make it easy and kind of just another uh, task that they, you have to do that's not hard, just like taking out the trash. Before you go on to that, I did drop off, I think because it was around Thanksgiving or Christmas or something and I, had, I was cooking a lot, so I had to drop it off. And so that was really easy. I actually rode my bike to the local brewery, dropped it off, got a new bucket and actually had some kombucha before I got back on my bike. So that was kind of fun. I mean, that sounds totally hipster and I didn't mean for it to sound that way <laughs> because, but, but I really did it and it was fun. And I mean, and I got, you know, I got what I needed. Yeah. Yeah. We've had some great partnerships uh, with that brewery and some other businesses that we can kind of share space with them and create a good spot for people to come exchange compost buckets. Um, so the um, third 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 uh, stream, then and I also have a, a new one coming out as well that I'll talk about. Third one is commercial, so restaurants, coffee shops, breweries, offices, um, and we can do a, a range of things there. But for the most part, they're producing a lot more food waste, uh, higher volume, and so we use sixty-four gallon trash cans, rolling trash cans with them. But we don't put trash in them; we put food waste in them. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and we're able to serve, serve that. Our largest customer has five of those and pick them up every week. It's a hotel uptown. Um, hotels have been kind of interesting. They, a lot of them have corporate mandates now to reduce food waste. So mm -hmm. it's been a good customer for us. Nice. Um, so the new, the new thing we're trying out though is with our households, um, we found two things. One is uh, people, you know, families have uh, visitors coming in and out. You have, uh, quarantine, you're cooking more. And so the three and a half gallon bucket isn't always enough. Um, and so we're looking at some 24 gallon uh, rolling bins. They look like what you have on your curb, but just obviously a lot smaller. Mm -hmm. um, and we've also purchased a truck that's able to pick those up and put them directly into the bed of the truck instead of swapping buckets out. So it's going to result in hopefully some efficiency gains for us. Um, so we did a pilot of 40 customers uh, okay. with those new bins starting in January or mid-January. It's been about two months now. Mm -hmm. And um, so far, feedback's been pretty good. 
and we're, um, we received a grant from the state to expand that program. So really excited about that to make it a little bit more uh, legit looking, you know, than a little bucket <laughs> on the porch. Hey, the porch bucket is don't don't knock it. It's just a good I like thing. It, I like it. And we're going to keep that. We're going to keep that because uh, the large bin won't work for apartments and townhomes. And mm -hmm. um, so we're going to keep both models. Yeah, maybe what you can do, and of course, this is now the the CT mentor side of me coming out, is that you can negotiate with some of the um, property owners to add that as a service, okay. the same way that they do the recycling um, mm -hmm. pickup in in their kind of subdivisions. Yeah, we'd love to do that, especially with apartments that already have door-to-door -door, uh, waste trash service. You know, just add that as an option. It'd be great. That's exactly right. Um um, so this is the Creation Care podcast, and I know your religious background a little bit, but Creation Care, essentially, I'll just share with you, and then I'll ask you to share kind of your creation care journey and why you decided to get involved um, is really about folks being able to share out loud how they use their religious or moral or values to care for all of God's creation. And so I started this podcast to interview people like you to share my story and others, just the average person on how we can ha each have a positive environmental and social impact. And so if you can just share that part of your story with us, that would be great. Sure, sure. Um, so um, the background of my um, interest in kind of the environmental movement and environmentalism uh, really goes back to my family, to my to my grandparents. Um, you know, they had a compost pile before it was cool. Um, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, save the dishwater to water their plants and stuff like that. Right. Um, so uh, and, and kind of hand in hand with that, I would say, you know, my, my religious background comes from my parents and my, my parents, my father's religious background comes from my grandparents, just like kind of, so kind of how I inherited um, a sense of environmental care and social justice care. Um, also inherited that religiosity and, um, uh, and, and I think open-mindedness and, and open-heartedness, you know, regardless of religion. My, my grandma and grandfather are Catholic. My dad decided to go be Presbyterian and then got, heartbroken by it 20 years later and yeah. my the motto of the church I go to now says they're religion free so there you okay. go okay. um but you know any any one of us of those three generations could walk into each other's home and have a conversation about religion it would sound pretty much identical and across the board um yeah. so I think in terms of how it feeds into uh how religion or, or spirituality and belief feeds into my care for the environment and care for um, or passion and interest in social justice. And I would, I would tie those two together. I mean, I, I'm speaking, I know I'm speaking your language here, but um, for better, or for worse, for worse, probably uh, environmentalism often gets um, siphoned off away and, and seen as different or doesn't, it, it kind of, it, it tends to take the focus away from the human factor right. uh, when, when spoken about in, in the wrong way or the wrong context. Not by everybody. And I think that's changing a lot, especially over the last 10 years or so. Right. Um, but I would say my belief system um, and my family upbringing taught me to put people first and that right. the, um, you know, the, number, the, the, my motivation behind whatever it is I may do or have an interest in, um, whether it's running a compost company or 
uh, turning off the lights at night um, has to do with ultimately how does the decision to do that or not do that often, more often, um, impact somebody down the road or, or like literally down my street. Right. Um, not necessarily 10 years from now, but today. Um, that's another thing I think that's um, sometimes lost in sustainability talks is uh, prosperity gets talked about a lot or posterity. The mm -hmm. next generation, what am I going to, what will my kids say? Yeah. And I think a, a, maybe a more important question to ask is, you know, what will the person a mile down the road say when, you know, I fill up the landfill and the next landfills or 20 miles down the road, the next landfills in their backyards because right. they didn't have a, a voice or political power to stop it. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you said earlier, I don't know if I got that on recording, we were having some technical difficulties and you're like, how many millennials does it take to start a Zoom call? But it's interesting because you're a young man and yet, not yet a parent, soon to come. Um, and you've already had this, um, this mentality and this perspective, which I find very dear, which is one of the reasons that you're so close to my heart. Um, in your relatively short life journey, is there anything that you would go back and share with little David, the eldest son, um, when he was, you know, just starting out like five or six years old that you think uh, other people should hear as well? Hmm. Um, I would say to, to pay attention to the um, role models around you and, and, and remember the things that they teach you um, and take, take them and don't take them for granted. Um, and I would say to not doubt yourself or doubt the ideas you have right. um, and to uh, put value in your, in your own self-worth. Oh, you're trying to get deep. <laughs> hey, you started it. <laughs> Indeed I did. Oh, thank you so very much, David. This has been great. I need to talk to you more. Um, I have tons of questions that probably won't fit on this podcast. Um, is there anything else that you want to share to the creation care listeners before I let you go? Um, I would say during uh, this uh, COVID-19 situation, um, for example, one, just one thing, and it probably applies to the whole country, but I know it applies to Mecklenburg County. It's just kind of a small thing. Um, so Mecklenburg County has stopped picking up yard waste, right? Mm -hmm. um, and people do a lot of yard work in the spring. So it's piling up. We're getting requests at Crown Town Compost to pick up people's yard waste, yard waste which we haven't always done because um, it's just bulky. And um, I would say, you know, be patient. Maybe this is a great time to start a compost pile. Um, it's a great time to start a garden. Yeah. Great time to, to try cooking more. Um, so, you know, instead of throwing your branches and yard scraps in your trash can because they're not going to get picked up for for compost um, by the city or the county you know try a compost pile the the number one ingredient you need in a compost pile I, I totally forgot to say this is yard is, is yard scraps leaves and and you know mulch type of things grass not so much but if you don't have a lot of leaves it's going to smell bad so, Perfect. It's a good yes. note to end on. <laughs> we didn't do the browns and the greens thing, but we can send yeah. that in. That you can send me some links. Um, okay. Uh, thank you so much. Um, kiss everybody in your family for me. Give them a big old hug from CT. Uh, thanks for taking time out of your day. Um, again, this is David Valder, uh, Director of Sustainability for Central Piedmont Community College and co-founder of Crown Town Compost. Did I get it right? 
We did. Thank you. Um, I'm your host, C.T. Anderson. Again, this is the Creation Care Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. I'll leave information in the show notes about stopfoodwaste.org. I think that was one of the websites that David gave us. And also I'll put in um, your Instagram handle, which is at Crown Town Compost, so people can follow your journey as well. Thanks so much for joining. Have a great, great afternoon. You too. All right. Take care. Thank you.